Hey y'all, and welcome to The Hill Podcast. We're so glad that you could join us today. We pray that this podcast will encourage you, will deepen your faith, and will inspire you to make Jesus famous. Let's dive into the message. Amen. High five. High five three people and tell them it's good to be at the hill. It's the hill. It's good to be at the hill. It's good to be at the hill, y'all. Come on, somebody. Thank you for braving the storms to come be with us today. Amen, man. Amen. We're excited about about this morning, man. We're, we've had fun. We've had fun, haven't we, y'all? Uh, in this Spring Forward series last week, talked on giving and and some people made decisions to make Jesus their Lord. Come on, somebody. In this, um, in this, we're going to be in Mark chapter 10, but before we get there, I just want to give you a little backstory as to what's going on. You have, uh, Jesus is, is sitting there and, and, and you've got these two disciples and they're, they're trying to decide who the most important is in the kingdom of God. Come on, somebody. Um, and, and then mama gets involved. Anybody have a mama that get involved? Anybody? Like, like, like you, you, anybody know a mama that get involved? Come on, somebody. Like, like, my mama not here, otherwise I'd talk about her. Come on, somebody. But, but like that mama that just seems to always know how to just get right in the middle of your business and your business with your friends and everybody else. Like, that's what's going on. Uh, their mom is like, hey, you need to make sure that you are the, the most important person in Jesus' life. You need to make sure. So they're having this argument about who's the most important. They're like, who's going to sit at your left and, and who's going to sit at your right when we get to heaven? Who's, who's going to, like, who's your boy? Like, like Jesus, remember... When you were moving from Galilee and I come and I helped you, like, like, like Thomas wasn't there. You know what I mean? He wasn't there, but I was here. Like, like they're arguing about, that didn't really happen, somebody. I'm just giving some filler. They're arguing about who was the most important and why. They're, they're, they're having this conversation as to why that they are the most important person in Jesus' life. Why they should be first and everybody else should be subsequent to them. Why they're having this, who's, Jesus, who's, who's the most important? And Jesus is like, man, y'all got it wrong. Y'all got it wrong. You're trying to, you're trying to put yourself on a pedestal by, by, by the things you've already done and by all this other stuff. And he said, you're getting it wrong. Let's pick it up in Mark chapter 10 and verse 43. And here's what it says. But it, shall, it shouldn't be that way among you. You shouldn't lord over people your high position. That's what he's saying. It shouldn't be that way among you. But whoever would be great among you, they should be your servant. And wherever, and whoever would be first among you should be slave of all. They should be the last, man. They should be the bottom. For even the Son of Man didn't come, came not to serve, or came not to be served, but to serve. And he gave his life as ransom for many. Jesus is saying, and if you really want promotion in your life, if you really want, if you really want the best of the best of the best in your life, if you really, if you really want to find true success, and if you really want to find true peace, and if you really want to find true joy, and if you really, you want the best marriage, and if you, if you really want the best of the best of the best, it ain't about being first, Jesus saying, it's about being last. If you want to make it to the top, you got to be at the bottom. Come on, somebody. Bottoms up. He said, if you want to make it to where, 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 where everyone else says you should be, he says, you've got to start right here and serve everyone in your world. Jesus is saying, you've got to learn to serve. You've got to learn to be a servant. He said, you have to learn to serve. I'm saying, like, like we have to learn to serve our spouses. Like, like, for my marriage to be successful, I have to learn to be a really good servant. Now, Megan's a better servant than me. Come on, somebody. Like, she'll be like, she'll be like hey, baby, will you help me do the dishes? And I'm like, oh, 
man, I have to go to the office for a little bit. And she's like, it's 11 o'clock at night. I'm like, ah. See, what had happened was I forgot some stuff. When are you going to be done with the dishes? She's like, I'm taking about an hour. I'll be back in about 12.15. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Like, 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 that's a struggle, right? Like, I'm not always the greatest servant uh, of my wife. But, but, the, but we're learning that for me to have the marriage that I want to have and for you to have the marriage that you so desire or the relationship, you've got to be the best servant around. You've got to serve your spouse with, with all your heart. Jesus is saying if you want to be the first place marriage, You've got to be willing to, to serve in any capacity that's available to you. And, and not only serve your wife, we've got to learn to serve our children. Like, like we're, we're bad in our culture today about, like, when I'm busy about saying, here, babies, here's, my, here's the TV, or here's an iPad, or here's my phone. And, and we're, we're bad about just sticking stuff in front of them versus truly serving them. So we, I drive a ton for, for the church, and I put about 30,000 miles, uh, 30, miles or 40,000, something like that, a year on my, on my rig. And so uh, we have church in Nevada last night. And so I go to Nevada and have church, and I have to go to Joplin. So I drive to Joplin after church, and uh, Benny's with me on the way home, and I'm driving home, and... And I drive a lot. And when I drive, I listen to worship or I listen to gospel, like black gospel, or I listen to preaching, right? So I'm pretty much, I'm, that's what I do, like all the time. But I was in the mood for a little Johnny Cash. Come on, somebody. I was just feeling a little down, down, down. Come on, somebody. I was just feeling a little bit of Jackson. And I was just feeling like, man, I just want some Johnny. I think Johnny going to make me feel good on my drive home. So I put on Johnny Cash radio, and I'm excited about, I've been everywhere, man. I, I was excited about this stuff. I'm pumped, y'all. I'm really excited. So I put in Johnny Cash, and my two-year-old baby from the back goes, Daddy, what, Benny? I want heart won't stop. <laughs> And a child shall lead them. <laughs> he wants Heart Won't Stop Radio that JR sings up here. So he's singing, Your Heart Won't Stop. And my little two year old's singing it. And I'm like, Can you hurry up, man? I'm like, I want Ring of Fire, buddy. Come on. Like, I'm just, I'm just being real, you know. And so, so we get done with the song. And, and the next song comes on is, is another song that we do here. And he said, Daddy, play it again. I want it again. So we listen to Heart Won't Stop for 45 minutes. I kid you not. For 45 minutes, it was, he's like, put it on repeat. Come on, somebody. He's like, play it again, Daddy. Play it again. Two-year-old, play it again. Heart won't stop. I need some heart won't stop. So we're playing heart won't stop from like Jasper to Lamar and past Lamar. And we're getting into to Jericho Springs, Missouri. And we're listening to heart. Your heart won't stop coming after me. We're listening to it. And it's good. And he's like back there being quiet. So I'm like, Johnny Cash Radio. <laughs> Click, Johnny Cash Radio. Y'all feel me? So I put on Johnny Cash and the song starts. He goes, Dad, Daddy, what, buddy? I need some elevation worship. <laughs> I didn't even know he knew what elevation worship was. Come on. So Johnny Cash went off and, and Chris Brown came back on, the, not the rapper, the Christian artist, came back on Elevation Worship and, and he starts singing and we listen to worship for the, for the ride and it was just so great. Now the reality is there was a natural, like I just, there's something I wanted but if I'm going to serve my kids and I want them to grow up to be who God's called them to be, they got to be first. Well, I mean, obviously God first and spouse second, but they've got to be above me. They, their needs have to be above my needs. That means when it's time for me to put some stuff down to show up to their ballgame, we've got to put some stuff down to be at their ballgame. Come on, somebody. We've got to train them in such a way that, that, that God is the most important thing in their life. And, and if I'm going to train them to serve, I have to show them to serve. Because see, with kids, it's not taught, it's caught. It's not what you say, but it's what they see you do. So if they hear you talking, well, you know, we got we to gotta serve. But they don't ever see you serving your spouse or serving them. What they see is not what they hear. And they're going to go with what they see. 
Am I right, somebody? They're, they're going to do what they're... So we've got to learn to serve our spouses. We've got to learn to serve our kids. We've got to learn to serve... If you're a boss, you've got to learn to serve your employees. And if you're an employee, you need to learn to serve your employers. We have to learn to put other people's needs above our own. And we have to... Jesus in Mark 10, he's saying, I'm the King of Kings and I'm the Lord of Lords. I'm the creator of the cosmos, y'all. But I came to serve. I created everything. But I came, I came to be least and I came to serve you. See guys, everything Jesus did in his life was anti-culture. Everything Jesus did, not everything, most of everything he did, he didn't just go with the flow, right? He came to set straight what man had, crook, had made crooked. See, the problem is in our culture and our lives, it's opposite for us, right? Like, like, like if we want to get ahead, we got to think about us. And we, we put everything else on the back burner. We put our family, we put our, our kids, and we put the church, and we put God, everything else on the back burner because, man, I'm working for this thing, and I'm trying to get my promotion, and, and I'm trying to get ahead, and I'm trying to do what I got to do, and, and I'm trying to make it, and, I'm try, and Jesus is I'm trying to be cutthroat and I'm trying and Jesus is like no you're doing it all wrong if you want to be first you got to be willing to serve because the best leaders are phenomenal servants that's what Jesus is showing us right when we allow the character and nature of God to permeate our lives we want what he wants and that's when we begin to arrive there was a story uh, in Chronicles and in San for Samuel <laughs> um or Second Samuel, and, and it's um, David, and the Ark of God was was wasn't in Israel, and, and David was like, man, I really want the presence of God to be back, and the Ark was what contained certain uh, certain aspects of their their historical faith, right? And it was said to contain the literal the the reality of God's presence, right? And so it, it resided in there, and and these David was like, man, I want the presence back with me. I want the presence of God to be in in Jerusalem with me. Like I want God to show up. Come on, somebody, where I am, I, I want. It with me, and he goes, We're gonna go get it. So they put it on, and they put it on a cart and get some oxen, and they're pulling it. Now, the problem is that wasn't the prescription of how God said to do it. See, we can have, we can want the right things, you can want a healthy relationship, but if you're doing it outside the confines of what the word says is the best way to have a healthy relationship, it's gonna uh, often it's gonna end in disaster. So they're bringing the ark of God and the oxen stumbles and the, the cart starts to shift and the guy's name is Pere, uh, um, oh, what's, uh, Uzzah, Uzzah. Uzzah reaches out and touches the ark and when he touches the ark, he dies. See, sometimes when we're doing some things, even though it's the right, we want the right outcome. But we haven't done it the way God showed and it's not because he's mad, it's because he knows what's best. And we go through, we want God's promise but outside of God's process and then it ends in disaster and then we blame God. They said, they called the place Perez Uzzah, which means outbreak against Uzzah. And then the ark is just sitting there and they're like, man, we got to find a place for it. So they go to this person and they're like, hey, you want to house the ark? And they're like, no, 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 no. I saw what happened. They died. Can you imagine if you got up and J.R. strummed a chord and then he fell over dead? And then Adam on the drums played the drums and fell over dead and fable fell. Like everybody, they just, and then we were like, hey, we need, a, we need someone to come play the guitar. Y'all be like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> Forget it. Forget it. <laughs> Anyone sing? Nope, don't sing at all. Can't even talk, actually. Like, that's, that's the way we would be, right? So they're like, no, 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 no. Like, I imagine the people in the community were like, nah, I see the risk uh, of what happened. I see, I see that when that thing was there and, and, and they touched it, I don't want that in my house. Because, see, if it's in my house and I'm going to be around the presence of God, I'm going to have to learn to do things maybe the way that God dictates. And, and I'm not really willing to risk my current lifestyle. 
I'm not willing to risk my current lifestyle to have what God says I can have. I'd rather just feel good every now and then. I'd rather just be comfortable in my issues. So I don't want to be that close to that thing because it's going to make me change the way I live. I don't want it in my house. Obed, Obed wasn't even a Levite. Obed was like, hey, right here, I'll take it. Just lay, lay it in the living room. Put it right in the middle. Can you imagine how awkward that was having people over for a dinner party? Like this thing wasn't like a cute little ark. Like it's solid gold right in the middle of that thing. Now like my house, I, my house is barely big enough for a scale. Come on somebody. I'm imagining putting this giant gold structure in there, gold ark in there. Like literally, they probably would have had to put it like in the little, like literally in the middle of their room. And then everything, they had to sit around it. And they had to put the, the TV over there and the, the table over there and the recliner over here and maybe the, the couch over here. And, and see, I'm wondering if we put the presence of God in the center of our life and we had to filter everything we do through the presence of God, how would it change the way we live our life? That's good preaching. I thought you might clap. Come on, somebody. I'm kidding. I was kidding. I was kidding. But really, that's true. If I had to look past the presence of God to watch TV, when I'm frustrated with my bride or she's frustrated with me, if I had to look past the literal presence of God, all I would seek nowadays is the blood. Couldn't stay angry. Then what happened for Obed? God started blessing him, y'all. And everyone started talking about the blessing. They're like, dude, being blessed. Obed, man, Obed's balling. Look at Obed, man. He's getting, man, he's, man, he's flush, man. Look at Obed, God, man. And it's funny because when, when some people don't want to, aren't willing to make the sacrifice you're willing to make, and they think you're crazy for making the sacrifice, and then God does what he says he's going to do, and you get blessed on the backside, all of a sudden they're jealous of your blessing that is a result of your sacrifice that they were unwilling to make. I was at a, a thing the other day, and I, a, a friend of mine bought me tickets to this, this, you, this MMA fight. I like to watch that stuff. Me and my wife went, and in Jesus' name, come on, somebody. And, and we go, and we sit right up front, man. They give us table seats. They were amazing. I saw some friends from Joplin there, and they were like, where are you sitting now? Pastor Boy said, I'm up front at that table. And they're like, oh, baller, huh? Ooh, look at you sitting at the table. And they started mouthing me. And I, I quickly told them a story of, of the, this guy that I led to the Lord, which is Jeremy. I told them about leading Jeremy to the Lord. And I said, and that's the guy that bought me tickets. I said, Eric, if you'd get busy leading people to Jesus, maybe you'd sit up front too. Come on, somebody. <laughs> my, point is sim my point is simple. Sometimes people are jealous of the blessings that God has on you. But they're unwilling to do the same sacrifices you've been willing to make. Obed-Edom was blessed, y'all. And then the king's like, David's like, man, I see what's happening. Let's get that ark back here. So they go and get the ark, Brittany. They go and get the ark, and they're bringing the ark back. First Chronicles uh, chapters 15 and 16 back. And, and, and David's like, hey, listen, now that the ark's back, we need some volunteers, okay? He said, we need a, we need a volunteer. And I'm changing the, 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 the actual words they use to, to things that we can understand, okay? And he goes, I need someone for security. And Obed-Edom was like, I got it. I'll be security. Can I carry a gun? Come on, somebody. Like, I'm in. Security team, give me a badge. I'm in. And David was like, okay, Obed, you're on the security team. Uh, let's go. And here's what I want you to do. And Obed's like, bet, I'm in. And then, and then they're like, look, we need someone to play the liar on the worship team. And Obed's like, I'll do it. I'll play the liar on the worship team. And David's like, do you know how to play the liar? Obed's like, I don't even know what a liar is, but I'm in. I'll play him on somebody. I'm in. I'll do it. Like, I want to be on that. I want to be on that team uh, just, just because, because of what God's done. And, and David's like, okay, we need a gatekeeper for the ark. Now, y'all, it's the most boring job. You're going to sit in the doorway and nothing's going to happen. 
because everybody's afraid, but we have to have someone there to protect it from, from profane things entering it. So we need someone to sit in the doorway and obey. It was like, go right here. You're right here. Pick me. I got this. I'll be the best gatekeeper to the doorway, to the presence of the ark, to the hole in the bottom of the sea that you've ever seen in your life. I'll do it. I got this. I'll be it. And David's like, anybody else okay Obed you win then they're like okay we need a we have a first team a praise team but we need a second team praise team someone that's just willing to to run the awkward hours the B shift on the praise team that literally is just going to thank God for what God's done Obed's like I'll stay up all night I got this David's like Obed what is your deal and Obed was like you don't understand when y'all were in the palace I was in the presence Obed's like, y'all don't get it. When you were afraid of the presence of God, I fell in love. When you were afraid of how it could change you, I fell in love with the way that it changed me. When you were afraid of what it would make your family like, it fixed my family and my anger issues left and my addiction issues left and I am a brand new person because of the presence of God. Now, here's the problem, y'all. We want a palace position. That's where David went, back to the palace. We want a palace position, but, but God's commanded us to have a presence posture or a posture in the presence. We, we want to be, we, wanna, we want the limelight. We want the, the top floor corner office. We want the best of the best. And God's like, I can't give you the best of the best. I can't give you a palace position. If you won't have a presence posture. If you, if you won't make a preference for the presence, I can't promote you to the palace. Joseph, man. Joseph was in a pit. Joseph was in a prison. But he kept a posture about the presence of God. And the, the, the kingdom was like, dude, there's this guy Joseph. And they promoted Joseph, y'all, out of the prison and into the palace. David was in a cave. Nobody liked David. David was alone, but he kept a posture in the presence of God. And God promoted him to the palace, and David had forgotten that. And I feel like as David was sitting here, he was remembering that. And he said, okay, we have to have the ark. And they went and got it. Well, I bet Obed's buddies were like, Obed, this is out of control, man. You at the church all the time. You ever had people act like, like that? Like, what's your deal? You're always there. You're there every Sunday. You're there Wednesday. You're serving. What's the deal? And Obed was like, man, I can't explain it. But that's where I want to be. I want to be around his people. I want to be around his presence. It's funny because Obed was basically saying, I'm a changed life. And changed lives change lives. Because of what he's done in me, how can I not position myself to serve in any capacity possible so that someone else can feel. Come on, somebody. So that another marriage can be... Come on, somebody. So that another person can be set free just like... So another person can have peace for the first time in 12 years just like you had peace for the first time in 12 years. So, so another person could, 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 could experience the presence of God just like you. Oh, but Edom was like, I, I don't know what to do, but all I know is I will do whatever it takes. It seems a little crazy and it seems a little out of control, 
but I can't help myself. Genesis 1.28 says this. It says, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heaven. See, right there was God's mandate to hunt and fish. <laughs> I thought you might see that right there. Come on, so anyhow, he said, we're going to go catch some, some bat. No, no, anyhow. Be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth. He's saying in Genesis, God is saying in Genesis, the, the mandate on, on Adam and all of our lives is very simple. You were called to produce. You were called to create. You were called to advance. There's a place, guys, that God put in your heart that is calling you to more. See, I've got people right now that are here. That aren't, that aren't doing anything, that you love the Lord, but you've not served the kingdom of God at all, and you've made it about your life and what you want and what you need, but, you're, but you love Jesus. And you wonder why you go from place to place, from church to church, and you can't seem to find anything that fills this void that's in your heart, and then you blame it on the worship, and now I'm not talking about anybody in particular. So if it's you, don't blame the doctor today. Come on, somebody. He's just poking and prodding. So if it's you, this is God speaking to you. And, and you went from place to place, and you blamed it on the church and the worship and the community and all this stuff, and God's going, don't you understand? I've called you to more. And there's a void in your heart. The word says in Psalms, as deep calls unto deep. As the deep things of God are calling out to you, saying, I've created you on purpose and with purpose. And I'm trying to pull this thing out of you. I'm trying to get you to understand that there's more in you than you realize. I'm trying to, I'm trying to speak to this thing God said. I'm trying to pull this thing out of you so that you can experience life for the very first time. I can't tell you how many times whenever people begin to, 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 to truly fulfill the call that God has on their life in every atmosphere and then also just begin to serve the, serve the kingdom. We get emails and phone calls and text messages that say this phrase almost all the time. I feel like I'm living for the very first time. I feel so alive. What? I feel like I'm experiencing. Guys, it's because you're fulfilling purpose. It's because you're living on purpose. John, in John 15, Jesus said this. He said, every branch in you should bear fruit. I'm the vine. When my father's the vine, I'm the branch. And, and every branch should bear fruit. And he says, and every branch that doesn't bear fruit, I'll cut it off. Now that's harsh, man. Why would Jesus say that? Because he cares about the tree so much. Because he cares so much about the kingdom advancing. He said, if someone's unwilling, I'll cut it off. Because we gotta, we gotta produce fruit. Anyone ever have, anyone have fruit trees? We had fruit trees when I was growing up and we just played um, apple dodgeball. Um, we'd put someone in a dog kennel. This is the truth. <laughs> Welcome to my childhood. And we'd put them in a dog kennel, like a, maybe an eight foot by four foot dog kennel. And it's wire, you know? And we would get about 20 feet away or 20 yards away or something like that. And we would throw apples. And when the apples would hit the fence, they would like go into, like, it'd be like shrapnel. Like they'd go into pieces and you just tried to dodge the apple pieces. It was dumb. And we had whelps, but it was a lot of fun. I was usually able to talk my friends into being the first one in the cage. And then the game was over. I'm like, nah, let's go do something else. <laughs> now the truth is, my apple tree, there would be branches. We didn't, we didn't prune it, but there'd be branches that wouldn't have fruit. And if we really wanted to maximize the produce of that apple tree, we'd have to cut areas off that weren't producing fruit because actually they're stealing nutrients from areas that were. See, I want to parallel this right now to your life. Maybe there's areas of your life that God's going, ooh, this isn't producing. I need you to prune this because it's not the best for you. Look, you've been holding it. You've been trying to baby that thing along. And for 12 years, it ain't produced fruit. It's time to cut this out of your life. 
For eight years it ain't brought joy. It's time, it's time to prune some stuff out of your life. Jesus is like, look, if we can't produce, right? Guys, I need you also to understand that God doesn't measure success by numbers. That's a, that's a Western system. God measures success by obedience. See, there's no, the problem is, with, regarding the kingdom of God, we look at, at the team that's leading worship and we're like, man, they're so anointed. And man, I just, that's a, that's a big thing. But see, with God, there's no such thing as big obedience and little obedience. Just like there's no such thing as big sin and little sin, it's just sin. Obedience works the same way. There's no big obedience and little obedience, it's just simply obedience. Right? Because the Bible says obedience is better than sacrifice. He didn't say massive obediences are much better than... No, no, he says just obedience. When you obey me, that's so much better than sacrifice. So there's no big and there's no little. It's just simply obedience. I have a, a 1969 Jeepster Commando. I should have put a picture on here. I have a, oh, it, There's one. Sweet, there it is. You got it. That's the man. The internet freaks me out. Anybody else? I even send them this email. That's that for real. I sent it to Stockton because I thought about it during worship. Uh, this is my 19. Now I have dreams of it looking really cool. But see, the problem is I pushed it out of my shop one day to jumpstart it, and I still can't get it started. I don't know what the deal is. Like, like there's something is going on. You gotta have fuel and fire, and I got both those things, and I can't get this thing, Jimmy, to start at all. I'm working. I'm messing with it. I'm, I don't know what I'm doing though, so I'm just wiggling wires and banging on stuff, and I'm messing with this thing, and I'm having fun, and I and I can't get it to start. Right now, all the pieces are there. I've got, I mean, I've got every, I've got the, I've got the, I've got, I mean, I've got all the right components are in there, but yet it's not going somewhere because along the way of the system, there's something that's not functioning right. So let's, let's not talk about a 69 Commando. Let's talk about a, a 2020 Power Stroke um, King Ranch. That's a $100,000 truck. I don't own one. It'd be sweet though. Come on, somebody. It's a $100,000 truck, all right? What's the most important part of that truck? Motor, well, there's a bunch of pieces, parts to make the motor. What's the most important part? Battery. Well, it's true because the battery, if you don't have the battery, you don't have power. I could preach power right now. Come on, somebody. If you don't have power, what are you, man? The Bible says that, that there'll be a form of godless, but denying the power thereof. See, we got to have power. But that's good, but if you ain't got spark plugs, you ain't got fire. And if you ain't got fire, come on, somebody. If you ain't got fire, what, what on earth? It don't matter how good the truck. If you ain't got fire, then the battery doesn't matter. If you don't have fire, the, how good it looks and how comfortable it is irrelevant. Because you're not going anywhere. But there's, a, there's a, a terminal on the battery that has a wire, terminal wire. And it goes from there. And the terminal wire has one function. To transfer energy from the battery to the rest of the truck so that it can do what it's called to do. Now you have a $200 battery and without the $200 battery, the truck won't run. And without the $100 spark plug or $75 spark plug, the truck won't run. And without a $4 terminal wire, the truck won't run. So what's the most important part? All of it. See, if every piece isn't flowing in its function, the truck goes nowhere. See, I have a Jeep that I have dreams to make awesome, and I've got all these ideas and colors that I'm going to paint it and a lift and 35s, and I'm going to put a diesel, a Cummins 4BT diesel in it. Come on, somebody. And it's going to be dope. But right now, it just kind of sits there, and rats live in it probably. I don't know. 
Because see, something isn't flowing in its function. See, the problem is, I've got some people in the house, and your function may be a terminal wire. And you're saying, but I'm not the motor. Like, like I'm not the injectors, and you got to have, and God's going, no, you don't get it. Without a terminal wire, the vehicle doesn't go anywhere. And matter of fact, with the radio, can, the, can, can your truck function without the radio? Yeah. The radio just makes it a lot more enjoyable. Maybe your role is to just make life for people more enjoyable and the church more enjoyable. Maybe you're a greeter. Come on, somebody. See, it's interesting because we can have all the right components of a healthy, strong, growing church. But if each person isn't flowing in their function, we're not going anywhere. So you have a $100,000 Power Stroke King Ranch sitting out there that looks so good that people are jealous of. Just collecting dust and growing rust. I refuse to be that church, as far as I can say for me. We've got to understand that we are a people that have to obey the voice of God. There's no big obedience or little obedience. You may not be the steering wheel. You may be the, you may, you may be the terminal wire. But without you... You may be the spark plug that just ignites a little bit of fire during worship, but without you, without you guys, we don't go anywhere. Without you, we can't do the things that God has called us to do, and we can't go the places that God has called us to go. See, each person has to do their part. Each person has to flow in the function that God has called them to flow. Now, we do a thing at the hill called Grow Track. I thought someone might clap that's been through that. Grow track, literally, oh, amen. Grow track is literally who we are as a church, what we believe, where we're going, and how you can get involved. Now, that sounds good, but that's not good enough. See, what I love about Grow Track is we learn our spiritual giftings. And we learn, we, we, there's a personality test. We don't share that with the church. That's something that you get to take. But Megan and I were doing our giftings and personality test. And it was so funny because as we did them, like we're reading it and it's hysterical because we know who we are. But in that personality test, we discover why we are the way we are. And Megan goes, huh, that's why you never shut up. Because it says right there that that's what, God, that's your, that's what, he, that's your personality. That makes perfect sense. Now that I understand it, it won't annoy me so bad. <laughs> oh. And not only the personality test to discover why we are the way we are, but there's a spiritual giftings test that lets us know what we're called to do. Because see, the problem is we look up here and we're like, but I can't sing. And I've sang by some of you guys. It's true, you can. <laughs> and neither can I. There's a reason I come up to sing and they turn my mic down. I don't know. I get mad every time. Hurts my feelings every time. But see, I don't need to, I don't need to because someone else, someone else is that part. Thank God we're not all like me. Thank God we're not all like you. We need each other. See, in this we learn, matter of fact, it was so funny. Uh, there's a bunch of different areas of, of, of spiritual giftings of, of what, kind of what God's created you to do. And in that, it was so funny because um, there, was a, there was missions, right? And, and like, it was like, how often do you think about living overseas? I'm like, check, man, I'd go today. And it was like, do you pray for the world? Yeah, let's go. Like, I, I think about that stuff. And so like, that was pretty high. That was like, out of 15, that was like an 11 for me. And it was like a three for my wife. It was hilarious because she's like, do I not care about the world? <laughs> now here's the reality. You know what that says? 
See, maybe in your heart, when we talk about going to Africa in 2020, which we're going, you're going, ooh, that doesn't appeal to me at all. And then you think, what's wrong with me as a Christian that I don't want to go help Africa, like the church in Africa? Nothing is wrong with you. You weren't created to do that. See, the worst thing we can do as a church is get you to function in something that you weren't called to function in. Because the injectors are awesome. But if I try to put them as the, transfer, as the, as the terminal wire, guess what happens? It doesn't work. And so often in church, we're out of place. We're not functioning in what God's called us to function in. And then we think it's what's wrong with us. And God's going to Megan, it's because I didn't call you to be a missionary. That's not what I've, I've called you to these areas. And me, like, when, like building, like the thought of building a house with my hands. I'm like, no, there's guys for that. I, I had no desire to build a house with my hands. And I would think, what's wrong with me? And God's going, nothing. You talk. That's what you do. <laughs> Go do what you do. Let them do what they do. Matter of fact, we were doing a remodel in Ash Grove. And they, were, they were like, Pastor Bo, can you leave? <laughs> you won't shut up. Can you leave? See, I love the grow track. Because it helps us find out who we are, why we are, and what God has created us to do. Let's look at 1 Peter 2.9. Let's go beyond that. Let's look at 1 Peter 2.9. It says, and I want it in the King James Version. There it is. But ye are a chosen, ye is you. Come on, somebody. Ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. He's saying, he's saying, man, God is so, what he's done in your life is so good. He's called you out of sin into life, out of hell into heaven. He's, he's called you out of, out of darkness into the light that is light. That's what he's saying here. And he doesn't stop there. He says, guys, you're a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation, a peculiar people. Now I need you to notice something. Not one of those things is singular. He did not say, you're a royal priest. He didn't say, you're a holy person. He said, you're a holy nation. He didn't say, you're a chosen person. He said, you're a chosen generation. The interesting thing about this, guys, is you're called. That's what he's saying. You're called. But he's saying, you can't become who God's called you to be by yourself. We know that. Because you're the body. The terminal wire can never make, it's never worth anything until it's added to the battery. He said, you're called. But you need, you need community to fulfill that call. That's why we do hill groups, guys. We talk about hill groups, and people are like, oh, I'm so tired of hearing about hill groups. I don't want to go to a small group. I get that. But you know, I need people. I have a guy in my life that I can call when I'm really mad. And he's in my community. And, he'll, and I'll tell him why I'm mad, and he'll go, bro, you're an idiot. You need to get over it. <laughs> you need people in your life that can call your junk out. That can look at your life and go, man, God's called you to so much more than the way you're living. He can help you, man. He can help you overcome that struggle. He can help you with that. He can help you with giving. He can, you need, you need a community around you that love God, that is a safe place that can say, he's got more for you than this. I know you're struggling with, with sleeping around. I know you're struggling with this or with that, but God's got more for you than this. That doesn't happen at Walmart. That happens in community. That doesn't happen Sunday morning. That happens in community. God is telling us through Peter. He said, listen, there's a call on your life that the world needs. There's a, there's a movement that is going to transform rural Missouri that the world needs. 
Come on, somebody. The Missouri needs it. But we can't go if we're not together. We can't go if the pieces aren't in the right places. He said, so I've, I've created you to be the body. And, and what's so interesting to me in that is, is that we're called the body of Christ. And I think that's so interesting because without each piece, the body isn't whole. Can you function without an arm? Absolutely. Absolutely. But you're not whole. You're not whole. Right? Can we function? Can we live? Yeah. But without you doing what you're called to do at this house, we're not whole. We can't do everything God's called us to do. Guys, without, without you. And I love that he calls us the body. Because, because he said, and go back to Mark 10, he says the very end of this, he said, I came to serve, not be served. Verse 45. He said, and matter of fact, I came to give my life for a ransom. He said, there's a price that you couldn't pay. And my role, my function is to pay a price that you couldn't pay. It's so funny. For the body to be whole, his had to be broken. For your life, for your body, for your relationships, for your heart to be whole, his was beaten, battered, bruised, and broken. Yo, that's service. Would you bow your heads? Worship team, come help me out. Would you bow your heads all over the place? We're going we're gonna to sing this song, guys. And then Pastor Clinton's going to come and give an invitation and, and, and finish service. But I want us to think about this for just a, a few seconds. We're the body. And we need to be made whole. He paid the price for you to be whole and for the church to be whole. So we've got to begin to ask God, Lord, what areas... God, what have you, what is the function that you've created me to do? God, I need community in my life to make me the best that I can be. God, I need community in my life, Father, so that when I'm struggling with something, I don't have to struggle alone. That there's people that will cheer me on. There's people that will encourage me. There's people that will, that will help me. There's people that will call me out when I'm wrong and will cheer me on when I'm right. And there's people that when I'm struggling, they'll struggle with me. And there's people when I'm down, they'll pick me up. And there's community when I'm frustrated they'll help me be fascinated and there's work there's a there's a community that when I'm sad they'll comfort me he said I need the Lord saying you need people in your world and you're those people for that world go ahead team hey guys don't click out just yet we're so excited that you could join us today don't forget to like and share this message and also subscribe to our podcast channel so that the latest message is always waiting on you. If this ministry has had an impact on your life, we would love to connect with you via social media on Instagram and Facebook. We would also love to see you in person at one of our many locations. For service times and locations or to give to this ministry, you can download our app or visit us online at www.thehill.us. We can't wait to hear from you and all that God is doing in your life. Have a blessed week, and we'll see you next time right here on The Hill Podcast.